Welcome to Nigerian American. My name is LD. This is my podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about something that's bothered me for a long time. I want to talk about the disconnect between African immigrants and African Americans in the U.S. Let me tell you a story. This is a story about my first time in New York. But before I begin, I need to give you some background. So growing up as a young African boy in the late 80s and early 90s, I was heavily influenced by American culture, particularly African-American culture. I was fascinated by hip hop, R&B, basketball, breakdancing, fashion, everything. I was so fascinated and so heavily influenced by hip hop culture that I started to dress like what I saw on TV. You know, started learning how to beatbox, eventually started learning how to rap, you know, from beatboxing and rapping, graduated to making demos, you know, I had a boombox, you know, was making beats with synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, at some point I wanted to be crisscrossed so bad in high school, I put my school uniform on backwards a few times. That's how crazy it was for me. I started getting my hair braided, you know, I was breakdancing, doing talent shows, miming all these different songs, you know, and really just trying to be what I considered to be the coolest version of being black, American black. Trevor Noah mentioned that in his uh, comedy special. You should check it out. It's titled African-American. I believe it's on Netflix. That was a really good one, too. But yeah, so I can definitely relate to what he was saying when he said he wanted to be the coolest version of being black, because that was me, you know, growing up as a kid in Nigeria. Um, so moving forward, my, my friend and I convinced our moms to buy some recording gear and we started making music. And that was really the beginning of my music career. But that's not what the story is about. So let me get right back on track. So I was lucky enough to end up in a private school. Um, the private school was called Essence International, and it was owned by and operated by uh, Mrs. Dolores Mohammed. She was an African-American lady from Philadelphia who married a Nigerian, relocated to Nigeria, and started what was considered by many at the time as a feeder school to American universities. Um, it was a private school for upper middle class kids. Uh, we had an interesting blend you know, of Nigerian and U.S. school curriculums, and we produced some pretty high SAT scores. It was a good school. You know, I have very fond memories of that school. Um, so in ninth grade, or SS1, as it's called in Nigeria, I remember counting up to 12 state governors out of the 30 at the time whose kids attended Essence. I mean, this doesn't even include like administrators, commissioners, you know, and the general elite class of Nigerians that lived in the north. I mean, it was just lots of rich Nigerians. You get the picture. Now, why is this relevant to my story? Because it made American culture more accessible to me. My parents were doing okay. You know, we weren't doing badly as compared to, you know, some of my schoolmates. I mean, we were still considered upper middle class, even though we may not have been as rich as a lot of those folks. But, you know, we had a couple cars, lived in a decent neighborhood. We had satellite TV um, very early, actually, uh, much earlier than most folks in the southern parts of Nigeria, which leads to another interesting story when I discuss the history of Nigerian hip hop. But let's leave that one aside for now. OK, 
Um, the bottom line is I had exposure to American culture very early in my life and I had schoolmates who shared you know, similar experiences, had similar interests. And what made it even cooler was I actually had friends who visited the places that were regularly mentioned in our hip hop mixtapes. These guys were out in America every summer, you know, New York, Philly, LA, Chicago. And, and so not only were we influenced by the culture, we had direct access to literally all aspects of the culture. Even though I wasn't there, it felt like I was. I mean, it almost felt like we were living in Brooklyn, you know, the Bronx or someplace, you know, the birthplace of hip hop. We really felt like a part of that culture. I mean, I, I saw the first episodes of UMTV Raps and Rap City live back home in Nigeria. It was, it was really an interesting time. Um, I had plans of schooling in the US as well. But my dad shut that down, forced me to move south to Lagos and really out of the environment where, you know, I had all these fancy friends who traveled all the time and had all the interesting stuff and really connected me to the culture. But I kind of kept faith. I felt like, you know, at the right time, I would make the move myself. So I ended up going to University of Lagos, which I hated as opposed to going abroad, like most of my high school schoolmates. Um, so after graduating from studying architecture and really at my earliest opportunity, I left for the U.S. I mean, I, I didn't really have my dad's support when I made the move um, to go to America, but he didn't have much of a say either. I mean, I was already famous as a musician in Nigeria. I was earning my own money, so I didn't really need him to buy me a ticket or anything like that. He would have preferred that I stayed and you know manage the family business, but I just needed to go out and become my own person. I felt like I had peaked in Nigeria and I really just needed to get out there and, and do something different, you know, learn some new things and be part of this culture that I admired so much. Um, well, he realized after trying to convince me that my mind was already made up and, you know, all he could do at that point was just support me. So I told him I was leaving a few days before the trip and that I'd be landing in New York before heading off to Columbus, Ohio. Um, I was going to go to Columbus by Greyhound. <laughs> That's another story, but we'll talk about that later. So he gave me his brother's phone number and address in New York, and he told me to stop by and see him. Um, so my uncle, my uncle lived with us at some point when I was younger, but he had moved to New York with his family some years before. So I mean, opportunity to see him, you know, spend time with him and then spend time in New York, the birthplace of hip hop before going to Columbus, Ohio. It was I mean, I was extremely excited i mean for me at the time this was about to be the experience of a lifetime i remember landing in new york uh on a freezing winter morning um i called and called and called my uncle but for some odd reason he didn't answer his phone so i decided to you know just take a taxi to his address i had the address so he lived in a high-rise building off of Linden Boulevard. Linden Boulevard. I remembered Linden Boulevard from listening to a lot of Tribe Called Quest. I really honestly couldn't wait to see it. It was like the most exciting day of my life. So, I got to the front of the building and as I was grabbing my stuff from the trunk of the taxi, my uncle walked out of the front door. Uncle T. Uh-uh. How'd you find this place? 
I called your phone when I landed, but you didn't answer, so you know, I decided to just take a taxi. <laughs> uh, wow. Anyway, me, I'm, uh, I'm on my way to work, but uh, I guess uh, we'll, we'll hang out when I come back. Uh, let's go upstairs. Man. On our way up the elevator, everything felt so familiar. It was almost like I was on the set of the movie Juice. I don't know if you guys know the movie Juice, but it's an American crime drama. It was released, I believe, in 1992. Um, it stars Omar Epps and Tupac Shakur. Great movie. You should go see it. Anyway, every step we took, everyone we saw in the hallways, all of it just looked like I had imagined. It's like, wow. I mean, you can imagine, like, for an African kid who lived and breathed hip-hop culture, it felt like I was finally home. It was so exciting. As soon as we got upstairs, you know, I said my hellos, I grabbed my camcorder, I grabbed my backpack, and I just headed out of my uncle's apartment. I wanted to finally go out and experience New York, you know, the streets of New York, the birthplace of hip hop. It was just the most exciting thing. And I couldn't wait to get downstairs and just, you know, like meet people and have those conversations and, you know, tell them about me and tell them about my culture, where I was coming from and, you know, all of that good stuff. So I stepped into the elevator and standing there was this very tall man. Okay? He looked very unfriendly, but I, I just said hello to him anyway, like, you know, whatever. He didn't really respond. Um, he just looked at me and just shook his head. Just was weird. And then it, it got me actually wondering a little bit, like, you know, what was he thinking? Was I dressed weird? Did I say something wrong? You know, you know, whatever. Anyway, the elevator makes like two stops on the way down. And as the door shut the second time, he looked at me and said, You trying to lose that camera? I paused for a second and I thought, wait, is this guy about to rob me? And then I said, you know, very politely, uh, no, sir. And then they responded. And then this was just as we we're reaching the ground floor. Well, you better put that shit in your bag then. As he was walking out. I got the message. I understood exactly what he meant at this point. And before stepping out the elevator, I took the camcorder, quickly put it in my backpack, zipped it up. So now, as I'm walking out of the building, what was supposed to be a fun and fascinating experience of exploring, you know, Linden Boulevard started to feel a little bit dangerous. And it almost felt like every additional step that I took it just got more dangerous because I started to think of all of the crazy things that could possibly happen. I looked all around and as I was walking down the street, I began to notice like scenes that were familiar, but not in a good way. I mean, what the man said to me in the elevator had triggered intense paranoia and everything all of a sudden was just scary. There was a playground around the corner, but there weren't any kids. Just a couple of guys sitting on benches. It looked like a scene out of HBO's The Wire. I mean, I saw you know, one or two crackheads. I had to kind of weave past them. <laughs> you know, there's a guy standing across the street stashing what I imagine may have been like a handgun or something. You know, every face that walked past me seemed kind of hostile. It was almost as if they could tell I wasn't from the area. They were staring at me and it made me really uncomfortable. At some point, some guy who seemed to have been following me for about a block, he approached me from behind and he, he asked, he was like, hey, yo, where you from? With 
obvious fear in my voice, I responded, Nigeria. And then he said, Nigeria? What the hell is that? It was almost as if he didn't really believe me. And then he asked, what you got in that bag of yours? And I responded, uh, nothing. He started trying to get closer and I just, I just clutched harder at my backpack. And then all of a sudden he walked past me like he forgot what he was trying to do. Just kind of weird. So I turn around and I see a police car pulled up on the other side of the road behind me. So I imagine, oh, okay, maybe I just got saved. I mean, it really was a terrifying experience. And there really was only one thing left to do at this point, which is to go back to my uncle's apartment. And that's exactly what I did. Man. So what was supposed to have been a fun, you know, sort of homecoming experience ended up not being so fun after all. I was kind of heartbroken, really. And not that I didn't know that, you know, there may be bad neighborhoods in America or maybe that I was in one. But it felt more like I may have not been as welcome as I imagined as I would be amongst my own kind of people. The rest of my time in Queens, you know, it was it really wasn't what I imagined before I landed in New York. I felt lots of hostility. I mean, people were loud. It was either towards me or towards someone around me. You know, my mo most of my attempts at having light conversations with strangers, you know, didn't really, they weren't very receptive. You know, some even made fun of my accent. You know, a particular man even called me. He started calling me Yo African. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt like maybe I didn't really belong here. And it went from the fear of the neighborhood I was in really to heartbreak. I was feeling as though the culture I had admired and loved for the better, you know, part of my life didn't quite love me back or wasn't really accepting of who I was. I didn't lose my camcorder. I did get to take lots of pictures and I, I shot some videos of you know some of the landmarks, but I could only do it for my uncle's moving car. I mean, I wasn't actually attacked by anyone, but it didn't make me feel any less afraid of the environment. I was just scared. You know, I wanted to be with the people who I felt I could relate to the most, but they didn't seem to want me around, or, or at least that's how I felt. I left for Columbus, Ohio soon after. And if you've been to Columbus, Ohio, it is not New York. It's definitely not hip hop and definitely not the America that I had imagined that I was coming to all these years. But it was one that I came to learn about and fall in love with. It was calmer. It was, you know, more hospitable, more familiar. It was more like Kaduna, which is where I grew up. And even though I could tell that a lot of those Columbus smiles may have been fake, it, it didn't quite feel as bad. And I didn't feel quite as threatened or as uncomfortable as I did in New York. I feel like I was too young to really understand that, you know, one bad experience shouldn't define my impression 
of an entire culture. But I was scarred, you know, by my New York experience, and it took me a long time to get over it. A few years later, you know, after lots of deliberate efforts to really try and understand African-American culture, now that I was right there and it was around the corner for me, I realized that I was told how to feel in that environment. Not by the man in the elevator or what he said. I mean, hell, he was trying to protect me and my property, but by the media and everything I had seen on TV. I came over to New York with certain expectations. There were great ones, you know, about hip hop culture and, you know, what it would be like to be finally a part of that culture. But somewhere deep down, I also came with a preconceived fear of my African-American brother. And all it took was that trigger in the elevator. And from that moment, all I could see was the negative stereotypes that was ingrained in me subconsciously by the same TV that made me fall in love in the first place. My own paranoia didn't give me the opportunity to get over what was simply culture shock. It took time, but I had to sit down and ask myself, is Queens, New York really more dangerous than Lagos, Nigeria, really? I mean, I just graduated from University of Lagos where there are several incidences of people being killed in broad daylight. It doesn't even make the local news. Yet, somehow, I was more afraid of being on Linden Boulevard, where I saw police cars on nearly every block. Not one crime committed in front of me. I just made a bunch of assumptions based on the stereotypes that had been planted in me. Now, many immigrants have experiences that trigger preconceived stereotypes about African-Americans. And instead of trying to understand the history and the differences in the culture, which really is where the beauty lies, the preconceived stereotypes end up being reinforced. And the same goes for African-Americans and their relationship with other immigrants. It's really sad. What's interesting about my New York experience is that I've heard hundreds of variations of that story being told by African immigrants as their first experience with the African-American community. And I believe that it has a significant effect on the way we see and treat each other. As an immigrant, whether it's being taunted as a kid because of your accent or generally not feeling like you belong in the community or you know because you feel like you're being treated with disdain you tend to drift away and try to find acceptance elsewhere so now what happens is you as an immigrant proceed to teach your kids to stay away from that community 
even though they won't necessarily have the same experiences as you. Further perpetuating the disconnect. Maybe I'm naive, but I personally don't believe that there's a deliberate effort or conspiracy by you know, the white man or any other group for that matter to ensure that African immigrants and African Americans don't get along. I, I think it's mostly a consequence of the media narrative and the image that is projected of us to one another. As an immigrant, and I don't care where you're from, you come to America with the impression that African Americans are lazy, dangerous, crass, criminal-minded, drug addicts, drug traffickers, always whining about the lack of opportunity and, and generally not very ambitious. You come in with the, the impression that they're only good at sports, music, you know, drug trafficking, petty crime, and it's subconsciously planted in you before you come in contact with the African-American community. And all you need is one experience to justify your preconceived bias. You can have the exact same experience with other races or communities, but you make excuses. You make excuses because it doesn't add up. It, it doesn't add up to what you expect or what you've been subconsciously told about who they are and what they're like. Sadly, in the same manner, African-Americans have biases against immigrants as well, especially African immigrants. To a lot of African-Americans, the African is a dirty, uncivilized, opportunist, you know, sellout, also likely a credit card scammer, Who's here to further deplete the already limited resources that's available to African-Americans? <laughs> it's crazy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nigerian American. Please subscribe and feel free to share this podcast. You can also reach us via email at NigerianAmericanPodcast at gmail.com. My name is LD.